up, guys? Welcome to the Von Four Student Podcast. My name is Luke DeMarco, and I'm super glad to have you with us. We are on a conversation about the book of Daniel. We've been going through this book chapter by chapter, but last week we took a little detour. We talked about what it means to be made in the image of God, which is a really key concept for the whole Bible, but it's a, especially a key concept for this book in particular. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, I highly recommend going back and listening to it before diving into this one, because this idea of images gets pretty important. But again, I'm incredibly excited to have you guys here at the Von Four Student Podcast. Whether you come from Montgomery or halfway across the world, we are incredibly excited to have this conversation with you. Let's get started. It starts in Daniel chapter two. Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, has a weird dream, and it starts messing with him. Have you ever had a weird dream? Apparently some of y'all are having crazy dreams during this quarantine season because my brother Max made a whole podcast episode about weird dreams in his podcast Quarantine Thoughts. Everyone is making podcasts during this quarantine season, it's kind of crazy. But anyway, we all have weird dreams from time to time. But dreams carry a different weight in this period of history. When someone has a dream, it's usually viewed as the gods or spirits trying to communicate with human beings. Even amongst the Hebrews and, and the Jewish people, the God of Israel often uses dreams to communicate with his followers about what to do or what will come in the future. All that to say, dreams are really important in the Bible for both Jewish and non-Jewish people. And when you had one that was weird or vivid, it could be that the gods or God himself was communicating with you. And if you could interpret it, you could have some special insight onto what God was about to do in the world. That may sound really crazy to our modern ears, but this was a big belief around this time. In God, the Lord, the God of Israel, in his love and faithfulness, uses this belief in Babylon to start some pretty amazing things amongst his people who are exiled in this foreign land. Daniel chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. And the king said to him, I had a dream and my spirit is troubled to know this dream. Then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The word from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb, and your houses shall be laid in ruins. But if you show the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Now therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. They answered a second time and said, Let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will show its interpretation. The king answered and said, I know with certainty that you're trying to gain time, because you see that the word from me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the chimes change. Therefore, tell me the dream, and I shall know that you can show me its interpretation. 
The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There's not a man on earth who can meet the king's demands. For no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the king asks is difficult, and no one can show the thing except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. Because of this, the king was angry and very furious and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. So the decree went out and the wise men were about to be killed and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Things don't look good for the home team. First, we see that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, is a nut job. Tell me my dream and if you don't, I'll kill you. This is a great example of what happens when people get unlimited power with no accountability. The situation looks bleak. Guards and military leaders are sent out to kill all the wise men, magicians, and interpreters in the land because no one could interpret a dream that Nebuchadnezzar never told in the first place. What's worse is that Daniel and his buddies were roped into that same crowd. I mean, sure, they weren't practicing magic or anything crazy like that, but Daniel does have this crazy ability from God to interpret dreams, like we talked about in the last chapter. And he and all his buddies are incredibly wise. In fact, Daniel 1 says that they were wiser than all of the magicians and the Chaldeans combined. So they're associated with the same crowd. And as a result, they were on the run as well. Daniel could have had a response of fear. And it would have been justified. Suddenly, out of nowhere, there are people who want to kill you for stuff you didn't do. It could seem hopeless. And in a sense, we're kind of in a similar position. A lot of what's going on in the world is way outside of our control. We don't know what the future can hold. It can seem like there is a sort of death sentence out there known as coronavirus and it's looming over our heads for seemingly no reason other than for the sake of death and destruction. Where is God in the midst of that? Fortunately, Daniel didn't give in to fear. He didn't buckle under the pressure. He had a faith in God that even though things looked bleak, even though he was kidnapped, he was exiled, even though he was roped in with magicians and interpreters of dreams, even though the most powerful man on earth wanted him dead, he didn't fold. Instead, he prayed. Daniel 2, 14 through 24. Then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arach, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared to Arach, the king's captain, Why is the decree of the king so urgent? Then Arach made the matter known to Daniel. And Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. Then Daniel went down to the house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions also known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and told them to seek mercy from God of heaven concerning this mystery, so Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night, and Daniel blessed God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, in whom belongs wisdom and might. He changes times and season. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and light dwells with him. To you, O God of my Father, I give thanks and praise. For you have given me wisdom and might, and have now made known to me what we asked of you. For you have made known to us the king's matter. 
Therefore Daniel went to Arach, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said to them, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show the king the interpretation. That faith is amazing. Notice Daniel had nothing to fall back on. There was no backup plan, no safety net, no turning back. He was in a place where if God didn't show up and reveal something to him and his friends, they were all going to die. That sounds scary, but I think that's exactly where God wants us to be. Not that he wants us to be in constant danger or fear of our lives, but he does want us to be completely dependent on him. Not on what we can do or how much provision we take or how much we wash our hands. or I mean, all those things are good and we should do those things. We should prepare. We should be ready. Those things are important. But when the rubber meets the road, even our best plans can fall to pieces. We need to come to recognize that we are completely unable to save ourselves. Only God can save us. And if he doesn't show up, we are going to die. The great news behind this is God won't let us fail if we trust in him. He never let Daniel down, and he won't let you down. If you hear nothing else in this podcast, hear this. He is present. He's protecting you. He loves you. And he will bring your faith to completion the moment you trust in him instead of your own devices and abilities to save you. This is something we will learn how to do the rest of our lives. I know it's something I'm still learning how to do. But what a beautiful and peaceful place to be. Not to worry about your life or your future simply because you know you have a Heavenly Father who loves you. That's the goal. That's the hope that we need to walk in. The story continues in verse 25. Erok, the captain of the king's guard, brings Daniel into the presence of King Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar asks Daniel, are you able to interpret my dream? And Daniel has an incredible response here. He says in verse 27, No wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show to the king the mystery that the king had asked. But... There is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Daniel then proceeds to tell King Nebuchadnezzar his dream, and uh, it's a weird one. The dream is described in verse 31. You saw, O king, and behold, a great image. This image, mighty and of exceeding brightness, stood before you, and its appearance was frightening. The head of this image was of fine gold, and its chest and arms of silver, and its middle and thighs of bronze, and its legs of iron, and its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. As you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hand, and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold all together were broken in pieces and became like chaff of the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away, so not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Daniel then gives the interpretation of the dream. Daniel says that each section of the statue is a different kingdom. The head of gold is Nebuchadnezzar. He is the most glorious and put together kingdom currently in existence. And But after him, comes these other kingdoms that aren't as glorious, aren't as organized, 
and it gets worse and worse and worse from here. But notice that they're all part of the same statue, even though these kingdoms are different, even though somebody's going to take Nebuchadnezzar's place, they all have one thing in common. They exalt themselves as idols. One may be made of gold, one may be made of silver, bronze, and some maybe aren't even very well structured. They're made of clay and, and iron and a bunch of different stuff, but they all try to be their own gods. And then Daniel says, there's this thing that's coming, that stone that was cut out by no human hand. This rock basically comes out of heaven and crushes all of these kingdoms and their idolatry. And then this stone grows into a massive mountain and fills the whole earth. And Daniel says in verse 44, In the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. Nebuchadnezzar freaks out after Daniel tells him this interpretation. He fell on his face and paid homage to Daniel. He even commanded that an offering and incense be offered up to him. And if you're a Christian, you may be thinking, whoa, 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 that's weird. So Nebuchadnezzar is bowing down to Daniel and he's burning an offering and incense to Daniel. That's idolatry. But look at Nebuchadnezzar's response here. In verse 47, it says, The king answered and said to Daniel, Truly your God is God of gods and Lord of lords and a revealer of mysteries. For you have been able to reveal this mystery. Nebuchadnezzar had no experience with worshiping the God of Israel. So Daniel kind of stands in as God's representative, God's image. Daniel is the closest thing that Nebuchadnezzar will probably get to worshiping God, at least up until this point in his life. So in a sense, Daniel is acting as God's image. The cool thing about this is we have the same calling. We are called to reflect Jesus in our own communities. People probably aren't going to burn incense to you. But in Matthew 5, 16, Jesus tells us to let our lights shine before all men so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father that's in heaven. Are we living lives where people look at us and they say the words of Nebuchadnezzar, truly, your God is God of gods and Lord of kings, revealer of mysteries. Are we a blessing to the people around us? This is a great time to do that. This is a great time in a season of hopelessness to bring the hope of Jesus to people who need it desperately. Who knows? Maybe you are the closest thing that somebody's going to get to Jesus. You are their one chance to see God do something amazing. But what about that stone that was cut without human hands? What's that supposed to be? Jesus actually has some words to say about that as well. See, the image of rocks is all throughout the Old Testament. And rocks and stones are often symbols for the Lord. We don't have time to get into all of that imagery. But Jesus makes a passing remark right before he was led to be crucified. In Matthew chapter 21, Jesus is telling this parable of these tenants. Even though the owner of the vineyard gives authority to these tenants, they take that authority and they use it against the owner of the vineyard. 
they are often beating up his own servants or they're casting him out or even killing him. And then the owner of the vineyard says, well, I'll send my son because, you know, they'll respect my son. And then these tenants see the son coming and they say to themselves, this is the heir. Let's kill him and have his inheritance. They took him, they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. And Jesus concludes this parable. It says, when therefore the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? And the crowd obviously responds, they will put those wretches to a miserable death and let out the vineyard to other tenants who will give them fruits of their seasons. And Jesus said to them, have you never read the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it was marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing fruits. And the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. And when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees in this moment, and he's kind of giving them the warning that they see in Daniel. Jesus is the stone that was cut by no human hand. He is the cornerstone. And if we're not part of this kingdom of God, if we take our trust and we put it in idols, if we try to become our own God, the stone will crush us because we make pretty miserable gods. But on the other hand, we have this incredible hope that's offered to us. We get to be part of this kingdom that fills the whole earth, the kingdom that crushes all injustice, all evil, and will reign and rule forever. This God offers us an open invitation to that. And you have to wonder, is Nebuchadnezzar going to take that invitation? Spoiler, he doesn't. But I think that same offer is extended to us as well. Are we going to be a part of this kingdom of heaven? Are we going to build our lives upon the solid foundation that is Jesus? If you haven't made that decision, I highly recommend it. Put your trust in the Lord. Be a part of this kingdom that can't be shaken. Build your life on the cornerstone. I promise it's worth it. We'll see what Nebuchadnezzar does with this information in the next episode. But again, I want to thank you guys for being part of the Vaughn Forest Student Podcast. This is awesome. And I'm so pumped that I get to do this every week. Next week, we will have a special guest on our podcast. So you're not going to want to miss that. Hope you guys have an awesome week and we'll see you next time. This episode of the Von Thor Student Podcast is brought to you by Matt Collins Beard. Matt Collins Beard is a nonprofit organization dedicated to making Matt Collins look about five times more awesome. You can follow its adventures on Instagram at mattcollins.music. And there you can observe the beard in all of its glory. We hope you have a great week.